0: All right, let's get started. Let's pray before uh, we get into the text this morning. Father God, thank you so much that you have drawn us here this morning in this time in history. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would clear our minds, clear any thoughts that would distract us from what you have given us today. Jesus, thank you. This is all about you this morning. It's about you. And now may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth may be pleasing to you, O God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start. We're going to be looking in Romans 10. So turn to your Bibles to Romans 10. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. Romans 10, 1 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name Lord will be saved. How will then they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Amen. So I'm going to throw a couple words out at you before we get into the text. Be honest with yourself when I say these couple words. When I say the word evangelism, what is the first thing that pops in your mind? Be honest. When you hear the phrase proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, what pops in your head? Between these two words, which one gives you less anxiety? Because what happens when we hear the word evangelism, what pops in your mind? I can't do that. I cannot be a street preacher. You know what? Evangelism is not restricted to street preaching, evangelism is your neighbor your friend, your co-workers, and somebody in the Church of the Body here at Lake Point and other churches. Think about that. I don't think anybody here is a Billy Graham that I know of, are they not? We're far, a lot of us are far from that. But we do have the ability to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon once said, we are not called to proclaim philosophy and metaphysics, but the simple gospel. Man's fall, his need of a new birth, forgiveness through an atonement and salvation as a result of faith. These are our battle axe and weapons of war. We have enough to do to learn and teach these great truths and a curse be that learning which shall divert us from our mission or that fulfilled ignorance which shall cripple us in pursuit. Think about the mission we all have mission statements. Our businesses have mission statements. Churches have mission statements. Even families sometimes have mission statements. The first point for this morning, desire salvation for Israel based on verses 1 through 4. But when you look at Romans 9, 30 to 33 before that, this is about the nation of Israel, unbelief, and that what Paul is talking about in verse 1. You see, in verse 1, Paul's heart desire. It is Paul's inner self, inner being for Israel to be saved. Paul wants Israel to be saved. What would please Paul is that Israel to be saved. Just a reminder who Paul once was. He was unsaved and he was a persecutor of the church. As we see in Acts 26 verse 11. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in rage and fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And in Galatians 1, 13 to 14. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. You see, the Jews did not feel that they needed to be saved. They had God. There was a time when Paul would have agreed with his people, for he himself opposed the gospel, as which I had just read. You see, Israel considered the Gentiles in need of salvation, but not for them. Israel wouldn't have been happy for political salvation from Rome, but Israel did not feel they needed spiritual salvation from their own sin. Do we see that today? Do we see that today? We have many people that put their hope not in Jesus Christ or not even in God. God. But they put their hope in political figures and in the government and many other things. Especially today, but we see it's going on in the world. We see what's going on in Israel. We see what's going on in in uh, Europe with Russia. Israel was seeking not God's righteousness, but their own, and even did not submit to God's righteousness. If you get a sense of Israel, they, think they were above what God was teaching about righteousness. They had their own ideas of what righteousness is. Then we see Paul's prayer to God. You see his heartfelt prayer to God. And he asked God with urgency, with strong urgency based on a presumed need and requested to God for Israel to be saved. He pleaded with God for Israel to to be saved. He petitioned to God for Israel to be saved. This is one from deep inside of him. Do you get the picture of Paul? But let's look to us for a moment. How about us? Do we have urgency for the, for the loss that we know personally and throughout the world? Do we urgency and with strong convictions request to God for souls? Plead to God for souls and petition to God for souls. And In the political structure that we live in, anyone that's not for Jesus Christ is an enemy of God. Do we pray for our enemies? Do we pray for our politicians? Do we pray for lost souls? Second point, No excuse for Israel, taken from verses 5 through 8. Again, Paul's desire is for all people to be saved, and that includes the nation of Israel, as we've seen in verse 1. The righteousness that Moses was talking about was based on the law. But Paul was talking about righteousness based on faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Think about that. When Paul was saved on that road... He changed instantly. He knew who Jesus was all about. And Paul quotes in Deuteronomy 30, 14, verse 8. This is what's very interesting about verse 8. God's word was near them, the Israelites, the Jews. God's word was in their mouth. God's word was in their heart, and they still missed what God was trying to tell them. They are missing the mark. The world that we live in today is also missing the mark. They look to other things than to God. They look for causes as better than God. Even in our own lives, even though we are saved, sometimes we push God aside. We look to government. We look for political venues. We look for our rights. Our rights are better than what God can give us. God's word was in their heart and they still missed it. We have people that go to evangelism events, go to churches. We know that people that attend churches, some are not saved. And there's a lot of people that know God, right? But fail to recognize Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting when we got atheists or people that don't believe in God, what do they do when something happens to them? They blame God. Right away, they're straight up. We've seen that on TV before. In disasters, they blame God. You know what? That person, those people need hope. They need Jesus Christ. Yes, they will suffer in that situation they're going through, but there is hope in Jesus Christ. And the third point, where we see this all to come together about Jesus salvation for all. We see this in verses 9 through 13. This is the gospel message that Paul addresses. This is the gospel message to the nation of Israel. This is the gospel message to a lost world. Take these verses verses from 9 through 13, take them to the heart. This is the gospel message. If you are here today and you are not saved, you need to look at these verses Pray about these verses and have Jesus come into your life. All of these words are true what Paul is talking about. Jesus died for you, died for me, and died for the world. In order to get to heaven, to see God, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. That he died and he rose again and ascended into heaven. This is a great reminder for all of us that are saved, right? Amen? And we look at verse 9 we see the word Confess. It is literally to say, and it meant to grieve publicly. Speak aloud so that others may hear. A public profession of faith in Christ is so important that the early church, and even today, we have public profession of faith in baptism, amen? We even do it here. We get a trough that we do it here, or the lake at Lake Point Station, right, Amen? And then we see Jesus says, Lord, this was the theological content of the early church's profession of faith. And again, in their baptism. The use of the Lord is affirmed that as Jesus' deity. Lord! Well, the given name of Jesus affirmed his historical humanity while he was here on earth. And believe in your heart. This phrase is parallel to the confess, thereby given with two aspects of faith. The biblical term, believe, involved personal trust, intellectual content, and an ongoing volitional commitment. In other words, that last point is, once you're saved, you don't stop. Because some people, when they first come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, they really don't know nothing about the Bible or about walking in the faith. Some of us were that way. Before we came to faith, we knew what the Bible was, but we didn't understand it completely. And the term heart was used in the Old Testament sense of, of the entire person. Paul mentioned mouth and heart in this context because it was a quote from Deuteronomy 30, 14. And in verse 10, and is justified. Justified is to cause someone to be in a proper or right relationship with someone else. We have a twofold interpretation of justified here in verse 10. There is a forensic righteousness that is to say the act of being declared righteous on the basis of a Christ atoning ministry. And secondly but it would seem more probable this that Paul uses these expressions in the context of the covenant relation rather than the context of legal procedures. You see for us that are saved we are made right before God. We are right before God. God by way of definition I would remind all of us that justification is a judicial act of God whereby he does three things he declares us to be free from guilt and sin amen secondly when God justifies a sinner he declares them us to be innocent of all charges three by imputation, God gives to the sinner the perfect righteousness of Christ Think about that. We are justified. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel guilty as, you know what, if I sin, why did I do that? Insert foot and mouth, right? Why did I do that? But you know what? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Bring us back to where we're supposed to be. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Literally, it is It is confessed unto salvation. Yet these are not two separate steps to salvation. They are chronologically put together. Salvation comes through acknowledging to God that Christ is God and believing in him. You know, a lot of times when we confess God, sometimes we are nervous if we confess God to what? To people outside of the church, right? You know, sometimes we get tongue-tied when we confess. But I don't know how many of you follow Voice of the Martyrs or other groups like that. You see the stories of them confessing Jesus Christ before they are killed. And I remember one time we had a missionary when we were up in Minnesota, a Vision of Glory. There was a guy there. I think he was from India. He said, "You know what? One of the biggest tragedies that he saw was one. Of, you know those? You do the um, the tar? You got that big roller?" There was people that they were killing that way because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And not that long ago, there was an article that these people were put in cages that professed Jesus Christ. Some of you may remember what it happened. So it is very important when we say we confess Jesus Christ twofold, that we acknowledge him as Lord, Savior, and we tell the world there is hope for you. Verse 11, I love this one right here. We will not be put to shame. Those who trust, believe in Jesus Christ will not be turned away. Even if you come to Jesus Christ and you have troubles in your life, you're not going to be turned away. Remember in Ephesians, when you hear the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you believe what happens, you are sealed. You are sealed for inheritance that is in heaven can't take that away the world could try to take that away from you just look what's around us there's people out there telling us how we should live as a believer in Jesus Christ they say you need to conform to us don't conform to the Bible what the Bible says we are at war spiritually right now in the United States and throughout the world you got to be strong. The battle is real. And I'm telling you what, before I gave this message, I was working on it all week. The temptations were coming. And even I was back there, for some reason, the Holy Spirit asked me to pray for every single one of you in here today because of the spiritual warfare that we are facing. And it's not going to stop. we got to get through that. We can't hide behind a tree. We can't hide in your home. They're coming for Christians, for their belief system. Verse 12, the universal nature of the gospel, all is used twice in verse 12 in two ways. There is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, all are lost. And there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, all can be saved. The gospel removes all human barriers to salvation. There is no work to be saved. Just believe in Jesus Christ. In verse 13, this is a famous quote from Joel 2.32. has two emphasis in Paul's usage. One, in Joel, Yahweh's name was used. Paul in Romans and Peter in Acts 2.21 submitted Jesus' name. And in Joel, saved implied physical deliverance. In Romans here in this text it refers to spiritual forgiveness and what eternal salvation. The fourth point here comes to us even deeper the gospel mission Romans 10:14 to 17. And we see here there's a set of questions in verse 14. And in the first part of 15, these questions are prompted because of verse 13 where it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, How then can they call on him whom they have not believed? Previously, the call on the Lord was equated with trusting him or believing him. But here it follows, believing When one believes in Jesus Christ, he or she calls on him. Remember when you were a kid, you were hurt, and sometimes you would call for your father, right? Or if you got in trouble, what would you do? Dad, I need your help. Don't tell mom, right? (laughs) I need your help. Believing, in turn, is based on hearing, and hearing is based on someone preaching or proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, And the question, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? The unsaved needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. This is done by you and I. And sometimes people are saved by the Gideon Bible at a hotel or somewhere else. And they pick it up and they read and they see Jesus Christ and they believe in Jesus Christ. In verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? The Greek word preach means to be a herald, to announce. It is not limited to proclamation from a pastor that's up here on the stage or in a pulpit across the world. Carrying God's gracious and precious gift of salvation involves you and I as believers whom God has brought to himself. And then he uses you and I as preachers, proclaimers, and heralds. Believers share God's message of salvation because he will save everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This verse relates to all of us who are believers. This is the great commission as seen in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is our call we are to proclaim the good news no matter where we are at you know what we have opportunities every single day and sometimes when you ask for the Holy Spirit to bring someone it could happen and are you ready you don't have to be a theologian you do not in a way if you look at it I'm going to be straight up this is not an option for us I used to have a big zeal for the mission field, which we did. I did three mission trips. A zeal for that. Yes, I was scared. Oh yeah, absolutely. I asked Diane and the boys. There was a couple places I wanted to go to, but thank God they were. The Holy Spirit gave them discernment for me. I wanted to go in a dark place where we were at. There was a tarot card reader there. I want to go so bad. We have a zeal. In some ways I kind of lost that zeal up and down through the years. But looking back this past week I have a more burden for the lost. Sometimes God will do that. I'm not a gifted evangelist, but you know what? I can use my mouth. God will give you what you need. The Holy Spirit will give you what you need. Because you know what? When we do certain things as a church body, it is great that we do events. Francis Chan wrote a book one time that we did a study many years ago, and he was in a coffee shop. And he sat there and he started and goes, Why am I right in this book right now where I look at the line of people, in the coffee shop? I should be thinking about their salvation. I paraphrased it. That's a good point. Here you got a good gifted person of the Lord. He writes devotions. He writes books for us, for small group Bible studies. he come to realize, I don't know if they're dead or alive. We don't know that unless we see each other. But beautiful. The basic structure of this word means hour. This is where we get the word hour from. The most basic structure of this word. It means occasion or moment. In this verse, it means timely, appropriate in timing pertaining to a point in time. It is also known to interpret this as implying something which is beautiful, right? It's both. It is beautiful to share the good news. And we know about feet, right? It's a part of the body that is used in idioms to show motion or action. We are the feet. We are the messengers. And we are the proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us. When we combine beautiful and feet, this is what we have. How timely is the coming of messengers who bring good, moves, good news. How appropriate in time is the coming of messenger who brings good news. How seasonable is the coming of messengers who bring the good news. Think about that. It's ongoing. The gospel message is ongoing. It hasn't stopped until what? Jesus comes back. In the meantime, until we get to heaven or when Jesus comes, it's a continual message that we have to declare. But then when we look at Romans 16, I just want you to think about this, right? When you talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, not all of them are going to believe, they're not. Don't fret over that. Don't be nervous. Because Romans 10, 16 says, not everyone will not believe in the gospel. It's it's in there. Simply put, in verse 17, faith comes by hearing through the word of Christ. Think about that. We must never minimize the missionary outreach of the church here in Emerson, Emerson, in foreign lands or wherever you are, we do have desperate people who need hope today. So I want you to think before we close up here, there will be sacrifices that you and I have to make. It's not necessarily money. it's commitment. You know, there's different, there's many ways that God and the Holy Spirit has gifted each of every one of you how to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Some of you are good at serving, some of you are good at being hosts, right? You have that in you. And some of you just come straight out. That's okay. So, how can we do this to help us to have more zeal for the gospel message? Need to be in prayer. You need to be in prayer by yourself and in groups together and pray with each other. By being in the word daily and in life groups. Cuz you know what when a lot of times we do mission work we don't go by ourselves we go in, we go in, in groups do we not? Why is that? Because it helps it gives us accountability and some zeal for that. We feel comfortable doing that with each other. And we have the word of God, and Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We have the word of God. We also have the armor of God. The reason why I brought the armor of God is because you are going to get attacked. In all my experiences doing missions overseas in Scotland area, we would always come together as a group and pray before we leave and we confess our sins to God. It's like God purged all that stuff that was inside of us to get ready for the mission field. And I'll never forget one of the ladies a vision of glory when we did our family mission, She texted me, she goes you need to do a devotion in Ephesians. And we did it as a family and I tell you what, that helped Tremendously as a group of God us set to go. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit working in us. We have God and Jesus Christ in us. Ask them for help, right? Holy Spirit, help me today. Help me to say the right words. Because you know what? God has gifted you, every one of you tremendously. And I don't know what all your giftings are, You don't know what all my giftings are at times. We have an opportunity. No matter what age people are, little kids to people that are 80, 90, 100 years old, we have that opportunity. And bring it down to individually to each other. We're going to close in prayer here, but I want to think about being missional. And for those who have not, Receive Jesus Christ as Jesus Lord. Have faith in him. This is an opportunity to do that. Also, don't be scared. Father God, now when we come together, I'm going to take a moment and just think about what you can do as an individual. Pray to God right now about it. Just do it silently for a moment. Father God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word. Thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And Father God, I hope the message that you have given us today that would make us zeal for the lost. Father God, we know that there are so many people that are lost that need hope. They look to the world for hope, Father God, use us. Use us today, and Father God, if there's anybody here Holy Spirit, work on the people here that are not saved. that Come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.